Welcome back to Fika with Anika. Well, you're a big fan of Elvis and all that he did for Memphis and the recording industry here. Uh, tell us, um, tell everyone about the amount of artists that came to Memphis simply because of Elvis's influence. God, that would be un. Uh, I don't know how you could say that. Uh, I know that his his influences and uh, it. No one could have ever anticipated uh, his influence continuing and his legacy continuing on to the degree that it is and with new generations adopting uh, this love of his work and his performance and, and uh, what he what he did uh, uh, for charities and whatnot. Uh, nobody could have ever imagined that, but I, I, I don't see how you could say how many people, but he certainly brought uh, he brought a laser focus on on Memphis and and the wonderful part that he would he refused to actually leave calling this his home although he had homes in Palm Springs and other places in LA uh uh he he still called Graceland in Memphis his home and that uh I don't see how you could get a figure on that but I know that almost anyone that's in the record business anywhere in the world has been influenced by that to some some degree or the other, and that's a that's high praise. Indeed, it is. Uh, do you have a favorite anecdote or story with uh, your time around Elvis that you could share with us? Uh, not really. Uh, I wish I did. Uh, I usually when I was around him when I was older, it was with a group of people and. Uh, uh, I was just around, you know, I wasn't, uh, everybody, anytime you were around Elvis, everybody was always vying for his attention and trying to talk. And so I just, I was around, but, uh, I don't have a particular, uh, uh, particular story. Uh, I wish I did. Uh, Judd, I had a question for you. Phillips Memphis, what, can you define what Phillips Memphis is? For us, we're basically uh, Phillips Memphis is uh, basically a consulting firm. We we try to help have a lot of uh, a lot of people. Still, I, I still do some work from, uh, for Al Green. Uh, I still actively work with Ann Peoples uh, on issues to do with her copyrights and her songs and people. Uh, uh, licensing things, uh, you know, for television shows and, and whatnot. And Sir Mac Rice, I've worked with him for years with, uh, licensing and stuff on Mustang Sally and Respect Yourself and, uh, two of his biggest things. And, uh, I've been doing business affairs for someone I'm sure you remember, Tav Falco and the Panther Burns for, Many years, although Tav lives in Paris now, um, he, you know, he's constantly working, and we we still, I still handle the, uh, the business aspect for for him for there. We're also helping people get uh, online publishing deals uh, for books, 
and helping people wade through the uh, murkiness of uh, the digital rights and whatnot that uh, that some of the people who had older contracts are, are trying to understand how these things convert. We, we, we try to help them get through that and make sure that their stuff is uh, not going in the wrong hands on the Internet, make sure they're getting paid what, what's supposed to be done, et cetera. But we're, we're both music and literary. So, Well, let me ask you, um, I know that you mentioned Tav, um, and he's got this book out that he was doing readings about. Are What types of projects are you actually seeking out or are you looking for at Phillips? No, actually, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I don't know. Did you mention Tav's book he just released? Yeah. I was just wondering if that, if you had part of, if you had anything to do with that or if that is. Well, I didn't. I didn't, but I, I have a copy of it, The Ghost Behind the Sun. I have it right in front of me, Mondo <laughs> Memphis. Uh we we did a uh, actually one thing that's in there in that book is a almost a full page picture of my dad and one of the things that uh, Sam is uh, my uncle Sam Phillips was was frequently photographed and frequently interviewed but my dad was kind of like I am or I'm kind of like he is uh, more behind the scenes and there is one of I found this, and Tav personally came over and interviewed uh, me, Rose, and my mom for some gospel highlights in the book and uh, about their quartet. And I found this picture, and Tav asked me if he could use it. It's one of the rare pictures of my dad. And he is, uh, well, two pictures. One, he's with the quartet, and the other one, he's at his office up at Sun at 639 Madison. And, uh, but, uh, we did not have anything to do with the, uh, the printing of the book. I negotiated the deal for Tav, uh, with the publisher, but that deal was made a couple of years ago. It took him, uh, two years of research to get it done, but I did negotiate the deal originally for him. Okay. Um, what do you what do you look for when you're considering a project, or what in particular are you looking for? Uh, I'm really, I'm I'm looking. If you're talking about literary projects, I'm looking for nonfiction. Okay, I, as far and, as uh, well, what what I was going to say is, as Phillips Memphis. Besides literary projects, or are you are you focusing just in literary? But I, as you do music and and everything else, and all your experiences, what is there any particular project in particular that you're looking for that that you focus in on, or are you open to what's your scent? And if it looks good, you move on it. I look for uh, participation or something. I'll, Look like any other person in business for any other reason. I mean, for any reason, I'm looking for something that will will have an appeal <clears throat> that somebody somewhere is going to buy it. But the other thing I'm looking for is something that means something. You know, uh, someone uh, said recently, and I thought it was well said, was uh, that some. Everybody that's in the public eye really deserves to or should uh, 
uh, write their memoirs down, whether they immediately publish them or not, because although they may not think anybody cares about that or may not think that uh, that it would have any true meaning in, in the big scope of things, is that there, there may be more people out there that would really like to know that story than you think. And uh, uh, sometimes we pass off things that are the closest to us as not being important, but uh, a lot of people have, have uh, influenced others that they may not be aware of. And, and I, I'm looking for something that has a meaning to it. Uh, and uh, I'm not looking to help people with big numbers because most of the time we work... Uh, on, on a fee basis, I'm looking for something that's meaningful that that the, that the writer or the uh, artist, whichever the case may be, will can, it can enrich their life, it enrich their self-esteem and image. You know, I hope that makes sense. No, oh, that does. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me ask you this: uh, uh, What do you think? Um, We've been talking about the music Memphis uh, industry or the state of it, at any rate. What do you th- see as the future of Memphis music industry, I'll call it, uh, especially as it relates to Memphis music in particular? Well, from, uh, the, the future is, is as well as it, if not better, is anywhere because we have some super technology technologically savvy people here and that's where their uh, creative expressions are going to be transmitted that's the that's the avenue now uh, so we, we have the, the delivery mechanism here with the people that uh, can get the message out there such as the old days my dad the promoter are getting it to radio stations and stuff like that we have those delivery mechanisms and uh the 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 one thing that i would recommend to the artist right now is the common problem i see when when people talk to me about a project if they have x amount of dollars to spend on the production of something whether it's their home studio or they rent a facility or whatever is they spend in excess of 90 or so percent of what they have on hand in the producing of the project. And they characteristically don't leave any leeway to get that to the public. And they, they, they neglect the fact that even though you can push a button and uh, get it out to hundreds of thousands of people at the blink of an eye, somebody's still got to be there and do that. It's not something that you can just assume that people are going to find you. And they, uh, uh, the music will get out there. If you're doing good stuff, and there is a lot of good product out there right now, I think generally there's more good product out there now than ever before. And even though you hear the stories about the record business being in decline, it's the physical record sales that are in decline. Uh, there are more people, according to the RIA, right now selling records than ever before. So the total sales are 
up actually, but there's more people selling. Gotcha. Let me, can I ask you a question just and get close to the end of this? In today's market, how do you compare the chances of an artist breaking uh, against the time when Dewey and Sam and Sun Records was all running? I mean, is there a big difference today? Do they have it easier or harder? Actually, I think they're pretty, I, I think they're pretty representative of the same. Let's just look at one thing. I, uh, I started to say about spending all the money in the studio and not doing it about today. Give you an example. One of the, the artists love the creative process and to be in the studio and to create and hear their work put, put together well. They will throw it out there and they will do the things that they know quickly. For instance, uh, put it on these various sites. And if, if it's not in the charts in two or three weeks, they say, hmm, we need to go back in the studio and cut some more. No, it's not it. You need to you need to work what you got until you know that it's not going to happen. They give up. If it's not instant, our age of instant gratification, records are not going to, your sales are going to be slow coming for the most part. And then... Uh, it's the same kind of thing. It took time. They've got to be willing to promote the record by doing, you know, uh, performances or whatever it takes to to get you in front of the public, whether it be online chats or whatever. One of the things, another thing you see now is you, some of the artists that are really out there and really visible, some, some kind of complain from time to time. They've got to do... 12 or 15 major concerts this year over, you know, several cities. Well, if you look back at Elvis and you look back at Johnny Cash and you look back at, at a lot of the artists in that era, the last 10 years of Elvis's life, he never played more than 200 concerts. Yeah. You you can look at it. It's documented. No, that's... So, yeah. Go ahead. Me? No, I was going to say, it. Uh, it seems that... Back even into the 60s and 70s, people were touring, you know, 200 or more days a year. And now, like you said, uh, they're starting to complain. And it seems that the money that they need to make is getting out on the road. Is is that your opinion, that they need to be out on the road yeah. pushing the product? They need, well, they need exposure, whatever it takes to get in front of the audience and... and uh, it all boils down to just working hard, whatever that takes. Right. If it takes online chats, if it takes uh, whatever it takes for visibility, and and uh, it just takes hard work. It's just that the hard work is a little different than it was in the 50s and 60s and 70s. You've got to focus. You've got to believe in your own product, and you've got to convince people. You know, you got to get it to them. If you don't get it to them, they have no way of knowing that uh, it's there. Okay. Well, Judd, I I I really appreciate it. We're, we've run out of time at this point, and I I would like to say on behalf of Voice of Memphis Music, my co-host K. Paul Compton. Uh, myself, Barry Shankman, thank you for sharing your time, your experiences, and your knowledge with us, 
and our audience. And we would welcome you back anytime when you have new projects or events coming along that you'd like to share with us. We'd love to know about them and uh, let our listeners know as well. Uh, Judd, thank you so much for coming to the show today and speaking with us. Thank you, and Rose says hello. <laughs> Please give Rose our love and thank her for letting me speak, and we really appreciate uh, it. All right. She's a hard taskmaster, but she's, she's fine. Uh, I'm eager to, to get you on again at some point and bleed yeah, well, your brain a little bit more. Yeah. It's hard to cover 65 years in, in a <laughs> small segment. So, yeah, pick a topic and we'll go for it. Yeah, just please give us a ring or something. Well, I sure will, and thank y'all. No, thank you, Judd, and y'all have a really good weekend. And like I said, hey, Barry, you're a good man in spite of what Paul says about you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Judd. I appreciate that. All right, talk to you later. All righty, bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is the voice of Memphis music broadcast on allmemphismusic.com. Our executive producer is Barry L. Shankman. Our producer is K. Paul Compton. I'm Jeffrey Haas, the technical director. If you have any suggestions or comments, please email us at voiceofmemphismusic.comments at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to today's program, Voice of Memphis Music. Broadcast on allmemphismusic.com. Thank you for joining us for this week's Cup of Fika with Anika. Tune in Wednesdays at 3 p.m. and a replay on Sundays at 1 p.m. If you have any questions or comments for me or my guests, please send an email to programming at koyt971.org and put FICA in the subject line. Enjoy the rest of your day.